Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is the life sciences and healthcare supply chain with my friend, Jim Sapinero. Jim is the president of life sciences and healthcare division at DHL Supply Chain North America. In the life sciences and healthcare biz, the bar is higher and you need an expert. DHL is the expert. DHL offers tailored solutions for pharmaceutical, medical devices, clinical trials, hospital, health services, and everything in between. So check out my interview with Jim Sepinero. But before we get to the interview, I want to tell you about my friends over at Tomorrow. Website is tomorrow.io. Tomorrow has developed a weather intelligence and climate security platform that is custom built to help logistics and transportation companies to reduce the impact of weather on their operations. The cost of weather-related accidents, delays, inventory damage, service failures, hours of service problems, they're enormous. But what can we do? We can't change the weather, but we can do a better job of planning around the weather. And that's exactly what they do for you over at Tomorrow IO. They have their own satellites. This is the next generation of weather forecasting. Check them out at Tomorrow IO. I will put a link in the show notes so you can reach out and talk to them. So how's it going, Jim? It's going great. Glad to be here, Joe. Excellent, excellent. So Jim, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Sure. Jim Sapinero, I'm the president of Life Sciences and Healthcare for DHL Supply Chain, based at our headquarters in Columbus, Ohio. Very nice. So what do you do over at DHL Healthcare? So DHL is the largest logistics company in the world. And uh, most of us think of us from a transportation perspective, largest in 222 countries. This is one of the big divisions of DHL that most people don't know about. It's called DHL Supply Chain. And companies outsource their finished goods to us, and we warehouse and distribute them. And I head up the life science and healthcare sector. So we are, you know, filled with clients from pharmaceuticals, bio, uh, biosimilars, in the pharma, generic, branded, as well as medical devices, as well as consumer healthcare. And we're all, also into uh, animal health as well when it comes to the pharma side. Yeah, we'll get into this in a minute about how the bar is much higher in the life science and healthcare sure. space. But give us a sense for DHL size because I know uh, I talked to Scott, is it Surendon? Surendon. Surendon. Yeah. Our CEO. I talked to him a few years ago, and he said we're the largest 3PL. And I was like, is that true? And I was like, yep, it's true. Largest logistics company in the world. And I think most people, it's they think, oh, DHL, yeah, don't they do some small parcel stuff? That is just a small, small part of the pot. First of all, it's a huge company, but that is just one division of many, right? Right. Express in the world is the largest so that's the small parcel next day in the world we just have don't happen to be in one of the largest markets in the world the united states but we are the largest in the world in that space we obviously have our own planes we have you know we have ocean and intermodal which is railroad as you know and then there's dhl supply chain and when you talk about size we have over 520 sites those are warehouses individual buildings in north america alone and that covers, and, and you know this from your TPL days, so we'll get a kick out of this, 150 million square feet of warehouse and over 50,000 employees. Yeah, that's... Life sciences, life sciences is a smaller piece because life sciences and healthcare are still one of the last bastions where you'll find companies still insource that. They're uh, where automotive and retail and others have been outsourcing for 30 plus years. Well, I think that's when we'll get to this in a minute, but I think part of the reason they're still insourcing is because they would look and go, well, yeah, the uh, logistics providers aren't sufficiently sophisticated or able to scale with us. Now, you guys are obviously doing that, but, the, and I think they're looking and saying, no, you don't understand the bar's higher over here. We'll get into all that in a minute, but I think 
this is one of the reasons um, I'm, I'm, I came from automotive, automotive supply chain. And we got real used to the idea that you have to have partners who are sufficiently big to partner with you worldwide. So when we'd say, we're launching a new plant in Colombia, can you be there? Yes. We're, we're going to open up in China. Can you be there? Yes. <laughs> and that's what's required by some of the, the largest healthcare companies, the largest life science companies in the world. And I think they're, you know, they're, they'll get there. They're, they'll get there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Jim, before we get into the topic today, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you joined the DHL juggernaut. Yeah. So, I, I, uh, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, a little town of Mentor, Ohio, right on Lake Erie. And uh, I went to uh, Lake Catholic Mentor High School and I went to John Carroll University in Cleveland. And I'm over my career, I've done some leadership work at Stanford and Boston University. I live now in Columbus. I've been all over. I've moved all over. I was, my biggest chunk of my career was with Cardinal Health on the pharmaceutical side. So I've been in life sciences, Joe, my whole career. In fact, as a kid, I carried a bag, right? And I sold nutritional supplements. I sold surgical instruments. I've been it's in, in your blood. OR, you know, with, with, with maxillofacial plating. So, and then you marry that with uh, uh, the cardinal experience and the warehousing pharmaceuticals. Obviously we bought those and resold them. Now I work, we work for the manufacturers mainly, right? And then we're shipping to the cardinals, the McCassins and the Marisaurus Bergen. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say this has been my life. Yeah. Yep. Before we hit record, we were talking a little bit about the challenges that are out there in the healthcare business and the life science business. And I was saying that one of the things I'd heard from one of the professors down at University of Arkansas in supply chain is that hospitals in our lifetime, there was a whole bunch of mom pa hospitals. That's a weird thing to say, but they were one off. Right. The hospital I was born at, that my mom worked at for many years, one location. Now they got bought by one company, and now that company got bought, and we're seeing a consolidation in the hospital business. Yeah. And we've always had life science business, healthcare businesses, but I think during the pandemic and in recent years, I think all of us are looking and saying, uh, yeah, we, we are pretty dependent on this. And we're also living longer, so people now have an expectation that in my 70s, 80s, and 90s, I'll be able to be just fine because my doc prescribed me some good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. So let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges. We talked about why some of the largest chains out there are still insourcing stuff. And before we hit record, we're talking about some of the challenges. So some of the, I, I, you know, there's two, There's, I guess there's a couple of things there some of the largest manufacturers are still insourcing, right? And so that's our main client. But what, to your point, when you talk about, that's the life science side of it, the manufacturing side, where we're an extension of the manufacturer. But when what you were talking about was the health systems, right? And now they're consolidating into huge IDNs, which is the integrated delivery networks. And what they found out in the pandemic is, they need to control their destiny more because supply chain was totally disrupted, right? And they want to take control. And so some are looking more and more at self-distribution. So with us just just becoming the exclusive 3PL for Vizian, one of the largest GPOs in North America. Wait, what's a GPO? Uh, it gives their group purchasing organization. Yeah. And I told you their other their other name before the break, which was uh, Performance Improvement <laughs> Organization. It's a mar it's that. a marketing people but, uh, involved in all that. Yeah, yeah. So we're real excited to partner with Vizient because as those health systems, those IDNs go through this journey, they're not equipped. They don't have warehouse management systems. They don't have people with expertise. Their access to labor is nothing like ours. They don't have scale. And I've seen it. We've been out there. We've seen where the guy that used to run the storeroom now runs the warehouse, and it's a mess, right? They don't know how to design it. They don't know how to use, use space. They either have too much space. They have too little space. So we're we're uh, we're entering into that more formally. We've done it for some customers around the 
world. But now we're now we're going to work with Vizient, and it'll be an opportunity for not only the healthcare systems but also their vendors. So their vendors might need support as well. Yeah, and you know when you say their supply chains disarray. If I can't get my new laptop for an extra week, no big deal. If I can't if I can't get my favorite peanut butter off the shelf, no big deal. Those are life and death products that you described there. And I do know this. I've heard this from the guys down in Arkansas, University of Arkansas said a lot of hospitals have a hard time understanding what they have in their locations. But I also do know this. I have a, some family member worked at a a vaccine company and not one of the main ones, but subcontractor and said they had very difficult supply chain problems. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we participated with a couple of the manufacturers with vaccines during the pandemic. And it was a, a privilege, right? We were, we in healthcare and life sciences, we were super busy during the I pandemic. Guess. The, the, even, you know, like other people were, were not really rocking it. Consumer health was huge. Our pharma was big. Some of the medical device with with the uh, the the you know non critical surgeries you know slowed down a, a tad, but overall we were really busy, and uh, it was uh, we worked right through the pandemic you know nonstop. Our guys were our guys were at their warehouse every day, and, you know putting on extra shifts, and uh, it was a pleasure to God see. God bless you, and again I that's. Thank God! Mm-hmm. Thank God! Somebody was doing that because it, it it helped. I mean, we still lost plenty of lives, but not wasn't anything like the Spanish flu. So I guess we should all be thankful. Right. So I want to talk about some of the challenges that you see in life science and healthcare. And I know I, I wrote some of them down before we hit record. So one is quality and compliance. Why is quality and compliance such a big deal in your biz? Yeah, we're regulated by the DEA, the FDA, the FAA. We have, there's state regulatories and there's there's the boards of pharmacies in every single state. And so we have to be licensed. Uh, I was sharing with you that, you know, we, we manage over 35 sites now for the life science and healthcare sector in North America. And we have over 120 people on our QA quality assurance organization. That's a massive number, you know, for that many sites. And so... We do our own internal audits. We get audited by the agencies regularly, uh, especially the DEA. You might have heard several years ago they hired 2,500 more agents to go out there, and they're out there. And uh, we get audited by our customers, right? Our customers have huge quality organizations because they're they're the manufacturer, right? So that's where it all that that's the highest level of regulatory you can get as the actual manufacturing, and then. We're on the distribution end, but you've got all sorts of rules and rights that come from your customers as well. Yeah. So you're not, so you have to comply not only with what your customer said, but you have to, all these, this alphabet soup of uh, regulatory organizations, DEA, FDA, FAA. But I think also you might remember, not everyone will remember this, but you might remember years ago when somebody tampered with Tylenol and the, effect was chilling because all of a sudden people who were supposed to be taking Tylenol for this or that, all of a sudden they don't want to take it. If we should have any drugs get tampered with, God forbid, or go bad because the the cold chain wasn't managing it properly, you all of a sudden have a whole bunch of people not only dying, but also the chilling effect of having to convince your mom or grandma, no, you have to take your pills, they're fine. And she's saying, I don't know anymore, right? And people people die of these things. That's right. And uh, I was uh, here when that happened, and, and that company is our client. So we were we worked shoulder to shoulder. They haven't forgotten. All. <laughs> yeah, right. And we had to get product off the shelf in the warehouses, and it all had to be destroyed. It was uh, amazing for, you know, it was really just a tampering that created millions and millions of dollars of losses for a company and and really you know took away from people that wanted that care that product wasn't available well yeah and by the way this this isn't something you guys did or your customer did this was something people opened up something on the shelf poured something in and now i think as a result when you buy tylenol or any other drug today there is the foil there then you wouldn't buy it if it had that foil torn that's right yeah we've come a long damn way so anyway um 
so not only quality and compliance, we, we touched on cold chain and you were describing some of the very complex cold chain requirements that some of these products have. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, especially the, your biologics, right? They're, they're, we're seeing more drugs that are custom made for a certain patient group where there only may be, you know, 60,000 patients in the, in the country. Oncology has always been cold chain. You can be from two to eight to minus 20. And we have some products at minus 80 oh Fahrenheit, which is, which, which are really big freezers. That's not a space you could walk into. Right. But, but, uh, minus 20, you can, and our guys are wearing, you know, winter jackets and when they go to handle that product. And so what comes with that though is temperature monitoring. So we have temp monitoring systems in, in our buildings that are temp controlled in our different methods of cooling and our coolers and our, in our walk-ins. And then the products themselves come in with a sensor that tells us that they're safe, that they're at that required, so that we receive that. And when we go to ship it out, we put a sensor on it so that when the when the end customer gets it, and it could be Walgreens, it could be McKesson, whoever gets it, they know that the product is within that, that range of temp and it's a good product. Yeah, again, the bar is much higher. And that kind of cold chain, not just anybody can do that. Good, good thing you're in the Midwest. I think those guys are probably used to it, that 20 degrees below Fahrenheit. <laughs> they say, I can, I can handle this. <laughs> well, I, I got, we're all over the place, right? So we're, you know, we're, in, you know, we're, we're nationwide. You're worldwide. When you think about DHL <laughs> supply, but yeah, we're, we're worldwide. But when you think about it in the United States, we have campuses, huge campuses in the Northeast, in the Midwest, in the Southwest, in the South, in the in the West, you know, Indy, Chicago, Columbus, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, in the Central PA area, you know, Denver, Reno, Southern Cal. Those are all Memphis, Atlanta. So each of these Joe are are, are campuses, and obviously some are bigger, right? Atlanta's bigger than Memphis, right? And SoCal's bigger than than uh, Las Vegas or Reno, but they're growing because of of, of different state laws and, and and how you can treat employees. But it's uh, it 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 blows the customer's mind when we can show them a campus and say, you got you know when you think about everybody, they got labor problems, labor. Labor is an issue. It's a challenge. When you have campuses, you can share labor. So what we've done in the last three years is we've opened up nine recruiting centers. So we have recruiting centers. We bring people in. We, we, we put them through all the testing, drug testing. You know, they have to, in the life science ones, to get a different drug test panel. If they're coming to our site, it's a 12 panel versus the normal uh, eight or nine. I can't remember what it is. And But once they get through that, they come back to the recruiting center. We put them through our CSCS, which is Certified Supply Chain Specialist. And they get a, a passbook where they can continue to grow as a professional because we're trying to teach them that you're not moving boxes. You're, you're a supply chain specialist. Now, at, now in life sciences and healthcare, it's kind of exciting space because there's a patient at, at the end of everything we do. You know, we, we say things, we have signs up that says, you know, saving patients one case at a time, right? right? You know, saving lives, right? And so it's a, our, our sector is, is very fulfilling for our people because we know what, how, how important it is to, to people's care, how their health is going to, how they're going to feel. And ultimately in critical piece, places like I, we talked about with oncology drugs, right? How critical they are to be picked, packed and shipped properly. We, we have a saying in the life sciences space is zero defects. And that's what our customers expect. You know, the, the, the uh, KPI might say 99.1 done, done in America to us. We're looking at 100%. That's our expectation. Yeah. Well, the, it's, this literally is life and death. And uh, that's the expectation that your customers have and that we all have as yeah. the end users of these products. And, you know, it's, it also occurs to me. I interview a lot of people, and I'm, this is no diss on anybody, but um, we've seen a, a whole bunch of warehousing companies pop up, and they are some of them are tech centric, and they all have a niche, 
Some would say, we do e-commerce, we do this, we do that. But these are uh, companies that are seeing uh, some difficult times as the market slowed down a lot and a lot of VC backed, nothing against these companies, but they don't have the scale and the sophistication of a DHL. So so I can imagine when when one of these large chains comes or manufacturer comes to you or a hospital chain, it's you're not competing with the vast majority of co- of companies out there cuz most just play in the same neighborhood right yeah i so the you know uh, yeah a, a couple things there our scale is trem- tremendous right when you go into every building the signage how we do things there's a performance dialogue board you know what we used to call that the the shift meeting well, we we call that a performance dialogue and it's very intentional it has, you know, results from Gemba walks on it. it. Has continuous improvement ideas from the associates. We, of course, we have the stats, and we do it both manually and digitally. You know, on a screen, we scroll that so they can see what's going on with their performance all the time. The science we've taken this to is phenomenal, and the managers are all trained the same way. So you can take one from one site, put it in another, and you don't miss a beat because we have a very mature OMS operating management system that starts as soon as they walk in and when they start with us they get they start training on that and so we're really really proud of that and it's making a huge difference you know and it and it uh gives customers a lot of comfort you know oh we loved your building we love this building we love that one we we saw look like them everywhere and, and it took forever yeah yeah you know not every warehouse is pretty joe you know some are some are older but we keep them perfectly clean, you know, in life sciences and healthcare, every building's ready every day for inspection. I mean, it, you know, there's no such thing. It's like, you know, when I worked at Cardinal Health, you know, the president's coming, you know, and, you know, oh, we got to get the building all squared away. I said, you know what, we should have the building every day, like the president's coming every day. And that's what we, that's what we do. And people take pride. The associates take pride in that. And when an associate walks into a building, and for the first time, and they see everything all buttoned up, 5S, right? Everything in its place, signage, people dressed professionally, you know, have all the safety equipment on. They're, they know the expectation is up here. And, you know, so people are very visual, and we take advantage of that. And, and besides the cleanliness and what we're, you know, what we're picked back in shipping. Yep, yep. And you said something earlier that I, I, I really like. You said that when you get a job working in a warehouse at DHL, especially in the, in, in the healthcare and life sciences area, that you are a supply chain professional. And that's one of the challenges we have. We have warehouses across the country and a lot of them have real shortages. And I think one of the reasons we have shortages is because it's a dead-end job. You, you were hired because you're a strong back and you can walk seven miles a day. Right, right. That's the wrong way to do it. We have to look and say that's the first step on a supply chain career. And we're going to help you move up. We, we have, you know, a, a, a warehouse site is one of the last bastions where you can start on the floor and run the building one day. Right. And that opportunity still exists. In the meantime, we might help you go to school, pay for your schooling. I mean, the, the lead in the leadership classes we have are amazing. And, and we fl- fly these young supervisors into different parts of the country to take these classes. You know, we have a, we make a big deal about graduation. We have a huge attention to detail when it comes to talent management. It's a it's not something that you don't get around to it's something that you have to be really intentional about and our talent management team does a great job but just keep in mind when you're talking to dhl supply chain we have the automotive sector right we have a technology sector we have a e-commerce sector we have a retail sector we have a consumer sector right and all of them you know go through the same training and that's why it's you can move people around and it's exciting um, we're, you know, you talk about tough times. Our business is fantastic, you know, because I think folks are looking at where they're manufacturing. And usually they have a small distribution center right next to where they manufacture. They're taking that space and they're increasing their, their capability to manufacture more, right? So we don't have to rely on, 
you know, what we saw in, in China and some of the places where we're doing a lot of manufacturing. So, you know, we're, we're being able to grow our business because they want to increase their manufacturing capability. And, you know, when, when we get them in here to tell the story, uh, we have a, a, a lot of happy endings that, you know, it becomes a, a new partnership. Yeah, yeah, well. And when you think about, like, a hospital with Vizian, you and I talked a little bit earlier about uh, Vizian, not a, a the, the group purchasing organization that has all these clients as hospitals and IBMs. They're really, they're really on the short end when it comes to experience in supply chain. Yep. So I want to take a quick time out to talk to small parcel shippers. I'm talking to you e-commerce sellers and the three PLs who serve them. I'm talking to you retailers. We got some great news this week. UPS is not going on strike, which is fantastic news for all of us, for the economy. The bad news is there's going to be a double digit rate hike somewhere in the neighborhood of 11 to 12%, according to experts. I just saw an article in FreightWaves about it. But what choice do you have? UPS and FedEx are the only game in town. Until now, Tusk Logistics, that's T-U-S-K Logistics, is a national network of the best regional small parcel carriers. Yes, I said national. Tusk will save you money, up to 40% in some cases. They have great pre-negotiated rates with the best small parcel carriers in the country. Tusk will also provide you proactive support and easy implementation because it's probably already integrated with your technology. Check them out at tusklogistics.com. And when you get there, click the Get Started button. Do yourself a big favor, save some money, go to Tusk Logistics. So getting back to it, we'll get to Vizient, but I have one other question related to this is I've heard this over and over again. People don't want to say it on the podcast, but I've heard it over and over again about a lot of companies during this time, we, we know margins are down in a lot of spaces. We also know that, that we're in a little bit of a, a recession when it comes to the transportation logistics space. And they said a lot of people are cutting corners and they're cutting corners, which means, okay, so what, what safety rules are you not following? What, what best practices for hiring and firing are you not following? I don't get the sense going on over at DHL. <laughs> Absolutely not, right? I mean, we have the highest standards of everything that we do, right? We onboard those people and those in we give them safety training and they get onboarded again when they get to the site. We audit ourselves, right? We have reporting that comes out that we have um, everything is on systems now. There's 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 none of this, right? I can I can tell you where every one of my my sites is when it comes to continuous improvement. Where are they on that journey? Because we owe that to our clients. And that's why we've had relationships with our clients 20 to 30 years because we never are satisfied with our performance ever, right? And we're introducing innovation to them on a regular basis. And, and our, our clients love the innovation, right? Because they know about labor shortages and they'd like to see it. But the, but the interesting thing that we found out our associates love working with like the Locust Robots, uh, which is a assisted picking robot that that we work with for for years now. We've got uh, close to twenty five hundred those deployed at different sites, and I know I'm, I know just in my little space, we're looking at uh, six or seven different different sites to deploy more of those. When I talked to Scott, which is probably over a year ago, he mentioned every time we buy a robot we end up hiring more people in that location he goes so he goes whenever people hear a robot they go oh is that replacing somebody and by the way i'm one of the younger baby boomers we are going to have a shortage of workers that's going to be severe when the baby boomers leave because the generation right behind the baby boomers has four hundred thousand people fewer so we're going to need robots to help us fill the gap. And I think also make those good jobs. I would love it if young people said, my first job was going out and I was a technician in one of these warehouses. So you can understand how that works. One of my daughters worked at a factory, automotive factory for six weeks. She hated every last minute of it. But when she was done, and that was between college semesters, when she went back to school, she understood how a factory works. Right. Right. That's a, that's an invaluable lesson, but you, you know, I'll give you a, a great story. We, at one of our sites, we have eight 
AGVs, automated guided vehicles, and they're forklift trucks. And when a driver of a forklift truck then becomes the the kind of master of the robotics and how that works, all of a sudden they're not driving a forklift truck anymore. And they became a technician. It was like a, a it is a career move, and they're really excited about that. So technology is taking people into whole different areas that they they get they get jazzed about it and they want to learn more and and they're growing their career at the same time and you know i love to see the job satisfaction listen you know you know if, if you can make work as enjoyable as possible and it's a lot of work and you can make that surrounding as safe and as comfortable as possible you know even though it's tough work then then, then we're going to win right we're gonna, that, that retention game is critical today right because you know, we lose managers to Amazon because they, they give them $50,000 more. We can't do that with a warehouse associate. So we have a part of our mission statement is respect the results. And I loved it the day I got here and I still love it because it says so much in those two words that, of course, we want results, right? We're That's what our game is, right? To deliver results. But if you don't do it the right way, it's unacceptable to us. And that means a lot to people. Yeah, exactly. So one of the other things, and maybe there's, these two are tied, before we hit record, we're talking about, you told me about a pallet, what, what one of your pallets was worth. And then we also talked about visibility, the importance of visibility to our clients. So talk about that product value and the visibility piece. Yeah. So we were talking about biologics and that they're, they're in cold chain. And uh, these are very specific drugs. Oncology is included in that as well. A pallet of one of our manufacturer's drugs can vary from 12 to 14 million. One, one pallet, a pallet, right? And, and so, you know, you're not shipping that obviously a pallet, you know, as a pallet, right? But uh, you're shipping it in, in boxes that are with, with, uh, Sensors that we talked about, and they're specially made to hold the, the temperature in. And um, so that manufacturer never ships a full truckload of product because the insurance company would never let them. So oh. they, they have a whole different supply chain, right? So, Joe, you can't, they're not going to let you ship $50 million worth of product. So their whole, their whole supply chain is way different, right? Where consumer health is. Can I get another pallet on, right? Can I can I put something soft on top? Everybody's talked about combining manufacturers and putting the, the paper towels on top of the you know the pallets of, of, of soup, and you know it's, we'll it's, ne- it's never worked. Transportation, Jim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's again this. I think we said it before, but it's the bar is just much higher, and I get why companies traditionally have insourced this and until they find a DHL or equivalent and I don't know that there's a lot of equivalents out there I don't know how they could say yeah we feel comfortable taking our 12 million dollar pallet and we'll see if Joe Blow's trucking can come get it <laughs> no yeah, anybody yeah. named Joe Blow who's doing trucking <laughs> yeah right I think that um, you know we, we serve our clients from the warehousing, distribution, transportation management, and specialty services like packaging. I mean, we, you wouldn't know it, but we've got over 50 packaging sites, you know, around North America. And that's a big business itself, right? So when you go into a store and you see an end cap, somebody had to put that together, right? And so that's another line extension that we've developed that's really become a core competency and one of our, you know, one of our best products that it's it's part of it that that complements all the different sectors and the sectors are really important because you couldn't have everything under one right life sciences has to be its own automotive has to be its own and you have to have expertise in that so our directors of ops senior directors of ops vps of ops they live in that life science space they get it Right, just like the other the other sectors, right? And so I think it serves our customer really well, and and they really appreciate they're dealing with subject matter experts. So it's been um, it's been a fun ride. I will say this: I'm, today's topic is life science and healthcare supply chain with Jim Safanero, and we didn't say logistics, and nothing against logistics, but logistics is the tail that that the and supply chain is the dog. I think. They're, they have to be integrated, of course, and that's what you guys are doing. But 
you can't work with the average logistics company to get this stuff done. That's why you guys have moved up the up into the supply chain and adding much more. When you talk about doing packaging and actually, you know, becoming part of their supply chain, it's very different. And again, it does require a scale and a sophistication that most companies don't have. So Joe, if you're one of our clients, you could look at your phone right now. And you could know exactly what you want to know that's going on in the warehouse. You can know where, how many orders we picked today, how many more orders are coming in. Because you would know the rhythm of your business, right? You would go, wait a minute, that they're, they're a little behind, I think, you know. And you could call. I mean, you know, I mean, all that creates visibility. It creates more information sometimes than you need to know because it's going to get done. But that's okay. You can pick up your phone and do that. It'll show up on your laptop. And the one thing you asked me about, and uh, we got off into another subject is something I told you about before we went on is my supply chain. It's end to end traceability of everything in your supply, in your supply chain. So everything we manage, of course, right? Everything that's DHL gets connected, but we can also put in your other partners so that you can see everything. And that is a, that's a one of a kind thing that everybody wants. You talked about what you called real time, which was the EDI, which is we're laughing at, right? But I mean, this the, the, the people count on this. We have clients that do, that have, that their parts, spare parts logistics, if you will, where there's parts for uh, an MRI machine, right? And that technician's in the field. He, he or she needs to know where that part is, right? Because that machine is down. And so it's really critical. And so they use that. They, they use that uh, every single day. We can judge performance on it. I mean, we're. I think the thing that's different today than say when you were doing it is the transparency is there. It's so transparent. I mean, you can't hide a, a, away from anything. But we're okay with that because our expectation, as I said, is zero defects. So, you know, we want to see every blemish that we may have, right? And because we're going to fix yeah, it. Right? I will say this. I'm always I'm from the automotive supply chain and I did run a logistics company and my sense is always the same. I want the God's honest truth in my data. And I used to always say to people who work for me is I want us to be presenting all the problems. And, and, and also as an obligation that I'm sharing those problems, I have to share how we're going to solve them. Getting to a place where you're, and I've, we've all seen this, where somebody's massaging the KPI so they look a little better, so they look, look a more, little more presentable. We've all seen that happen. It, it, it goes nowhere. It doesn't help anybody. And I, I always say this also is if you're that customer who says, if you show me KPIs that are, that are anything less than flawless, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill you. Then uh, after a while, you're like, uh, if I can't deliver bad news, that's fine. I won't deliver bad news. <laughs> it's not that it's not there. It's still there. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, what we said to, we were, you know, we had uh, monthly business reviews, quarterly business reviews, right? And, you know, you'd open the page and all the KPIs would be green, right? So we, we said, stop it, right? We, we, you know, unless you got something different, no one needs to see KPIs in green. Which ones are less than 100%? And what's the gap to get to 100%? And that's the night, that's the stuff you talk about. Now you have to be smart about it because you could have 100%, but it, would call, it wouldn't be worth it, right? To, to spend the money for us to get your K, this KPI to 100. Others are like that. And then you have clients that, like one I have now, that they want every KPI at 100%. I said, you know, that's not really a good idea because not every KPI is creating equal. Right? You want on time and full at 100%? Sure, you know, that means perfection. That, you know, we don't really sign up to those per se. But, and that's, that, that's part of the negotiation. But, uh, but yeah, we want to know what's stopping us from being the best we could be. That's where you get the better conversation. Because a lot of times, Joe, as you know, it's the manufacturer's behavior that, that can hold us back from, from being the best we could be, right? You know, you, you know, you get you get all the orders in two days a week, but you got to keep a whole staff of people, right? You, you know, so I've uh, I've advised very large shippers on selecting three PLs, and then when they're selected, those three PLs, they they've been at like a hundred million plus, and so one of the things they always say is, "Well, what if they aren't ready to launch on the day that we said we're going to launch?" I said, "That will be what you do." 
you will be the weak link. <laughs> Almost always it's the customer who, and I said, because these guys do this all the time. Big three PLs are now capable enough where they say, if we said we're going to do it on this day, we're going to do it on this day. And, you know, usually the logistics in house, uh, at large companies, they aren't, they aren't, um, tasked They don't, they don't have the same manpower. So it's usually. Oh, absolutely not. We talked to a client that forever, a huge client that forever wanted to do everything themselves, themselves, you know, and I'd said, you know, I'd say, look, you, you might have 20 people on your IT team. I've got 500, right? You might have five engineers, maybe seven. We've got 108, you know, I mean, this is different. We do this thing every single day that you're, you're dabbling with, right? Not that you don't have smart people, but you know, I say, you know, here's what DHL is. And you're using this much yes, of it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it comes with it, right? We don't charge you every time we bring an engineer out, right? That's not how we operate, right? And so, you know, when you're, you know, deploying a full service player, like in the best that what we do, DHL supply chain, leverage us. And we're seeing more customers are getting that. And the other thing that's interesting that, that you know well from what you've done with your career is that, they used to play us against each other. You know, we don't want to put all our eggs in one basket. Now they're coming back and saying, we trust you, DHL, that we know we are scale, and we know you're good at all sorts of things, not just DHL supply chain, and it would be in our best interest to partner with you at a next level, oh, right? Yeah. And so these are the conversations that are going on right now and globally linking supply chains right and uh, it's, it's it's quite exciting yeah exactly so we started to talk a little bit about your so your pr company one of your companies i think had reached out to me and said about your new deal with Visient. so talk a little bit about we touched on it a minute ago and you called this you called them a gpo or something what is that yeah they're Visient is a group purchasing organization that over time has evolve themselves into what they want to call a performance improvement company, serving healthcare, serving all healthcare networks, big IDNs, integrated delivery networks, like Cleveland Clinic, Mayo, Ohio Health, University of Michigan, right? And so we had been talking to them for a while and we haven't done a lot in that space. That's a new space. small. <laughs> It, well, it's it, it, it's kind of small, right? I mean, our business is around scale, Joe, as you can imagine, right? And so, especially in life sciences, you don't do something that's really high risk and really teeny small. If you do, you know exactly what you're doing. Like we do clinical trials. We know what we're getting into there, right? We know we have to have a white room. We know the regulatory just went right through the roof. We, we get that. But you don't go out of your way to do high risk and small because it would cost too much. Right. And that's not good for anybody. But but we think we can make hospital logistics work. We've got some some areas where we've gone in there, taken over their warehouse. They said they needed more space. We redesigned it. They, they, they had space. They didn't need more space. Right. I mean, and so Visient sees that what they went through with the pandemic, more health systems are going to self-distribution. You probably have heard that term in that in the in healthcare, because they want control of their own supply chain, right? They're not going to be victims of supply chain disruption, right? So if they want to buy X amount of product in warehouses, they're going to do that. the 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 hard part is where do you get the expertise to do that? And there's like Lehigh in, in Florida, you know, they've got a really sophisticated outfit, but there's very few that really do it well. But the other challenge is it's systems, right? You know, the, the Cerners of the world, that's not SAP and Oracle. That's not the two big WMS systems that are like the SAP and Oracle, BRP, or Blue Yonder and, and uh, Manhattan. You know, we're the largest user of those systems in the world. And so we sit on their boards. And we know them well. You know, we bring in workforce management, right, where we're measuring, you know, performance and we reward. And, and we bring in all sorts of systems and processes. But hospitals are really complicated and they need help. And so we wanted to partner with Visient and look for those right opportunities where we could come in 
and help them take over their self-distribution, maybe bring in some technology like ASRSs, right? The automated storage retrieval systems, like auto store is a big one where you've got a building within the building that's got robots in it. And we, we've got, I've got several of those operations. We've got many of them. Uh, we use a lot of automation in our businesses. It's becoming the norm. Yep. I was at Manifest in February in, out in Vegas. Uh, Future of Logistics. Got, got to get there if you haven't been there before. But what was interesting is I watched one of the panels and there was a, a woman there and she was the vice president of supply chain of a hospital chain. And I was like, oh, Okay, they wouldn't have said that 10 years ago. There would be no such job. And I think you, you, you just touched on it is this, is this is the importance of supply chain. And I think we all learned a little more during COVID. But even before COVID, we knew how important supply chains were in general. But we never really looked at them in regards to hospitals. Now, busy, it's in the business of how do we make these supply chains work better? That's right. That's right. I mean, in, in, in the, uh, the approach is really up to them. Who wants to build their own empire? And you have empire builders. So I want to build my building. I want to run it. I want to do this. And then you have other folks that say, we should go with best in class, right? And when, when one of my guys comes to me and says, the client will, will, will entertain us doing business if we're less than what they're paying now, I said, I'm not interested. Because... We're going to bring continuous improvement over years. We're going to have high retention. We're going to have real high professionals. We're going to have better service levels, better KPIs. And, and you know, when the latest, greatest comes out, we'll have already tested it. We brought many of these technology companies. You know, we use Stretch. We just invested $15 million with Boston Dynamics. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, okay. where, where the robot can unload, you know, the, the, uh, the, the containers, you know, that come on the ships. Right. And you can, you know, they come in and you're unloading them and putting them, you know, so it's, uh, it, it's really, uh, it's really been exciting. I, I always say on my podcast that when you pick a 3PL or any partner for that matter, you, you don't get, you're not dating, you're not engaged, you're married. To them. Right. And that means you vet. And that means you spend some time to actually vet. And I, I know there's probably a lot of logistics companies, people listening and saying, well, that doesn't work that way because we have to be the low cost to win that business. Yeah, you got to rethink that. Absolutely. In your not. business, I don't want you to be the low cost. I want you to be the very best. No, I you want don't. you to work on the cost. Exactly. But I want you to be the best first. <laughs> yeah. Now we... You know, we always say there's there's got to be the P and L owner. You know, you can't if if the relationship is just procurement, it's it's not for us, right? That's not what we're interested in, and that they they're not seeing the value. We would never, you know, be at a Chevy price for a, a Bentley product, right? And that's what we're trying to be. Uh, you know, this is a whole other podcast, but that's somewhat the challenge we have with our healthcare is. <laughs> You bought inexpensive healthcare, but when you're going in for that heart surgery, you're like, "Am I just getting the cheapy version?" <laughs> like, I yeah. expect, I expect the the Cadillac, I expect the Lexus. I, I, I might have paid for Chevette, but I don't want Chevette. <laughs> I think what they're doing, though, I think to make you feel better about that, knowing that space, is that they're they're not letting the docs choose any product they want. They have to create scale, right? So. You'll get a great product. You just won't get have a version of any of them. So you'll get a Medtronic pacemaker, say, because what they did is they said, no, we're not going to carry seven different pacemakers, not Edwards, not this and that. We're going to go with one, and we're going to create some scale so we have value, so we get a better price for it. I had, we had built some best practices. They, right. they had exact, Exactly. And so you're going to get a great product. We had hospitals using 28 different Twenty-eight different kinds of bedpans. I mean, you know, what a waste. I mean, it's a small product. It but ends up. You know, when when you're not, when you're when you're not organized like that, and so that's come a long way. And I, I'd say a lot of these guys are starting to pick the low hanging fruit. Plus, they're now employing the physicians, so they're not just these great artists that are great surgeons that have these huge practices. They're now employees of these health systems. So. It's a little, it's a little, you know, they've had to change the game and, and then they're, you know, then their results, uh, their outcome based is how they get compensated. You know, I talked to a cardiologist at, at uh, uh, Ohio State 
and he's going to Cincinnati with the same type of contract. It's all, it's all outcome-based. If he gets better outcomes with his patients, he gets paid more money. Hallelujah. We will figure it all out. Right? Yeah. We will figure it out. And again, I think DHL could be <laughs> part of that, part of that figuring out. So, Jim, let's wrap this bad boy up. Some final thoughts on the life sciences and healthcare supply chain. Yeah. So it's a it's an exciting space. It's a growing space. As I said, there's a lot of opportunity for more companies to outsource. We're really excited to join Vizient. It's a world class company and be a part of their strategy. This is their first endeavor to partner with the 3PL. And so we look forward to exploring the healthcare part of life sciences and healthcare. We enjoy the manufacturers. And one big thing we're going through right now too, that I didn't mention is the Drug Supply Chain Security Act, right? With the serialization of, of uh, products in the pharmaceutical area. So we're always going on these regulatory journeys that you talked about earlier. And, you know, people that manufacturers that are struggling to keep people and wanting to cut costs, they don't need a duplicate supply chain department. They've got us. So excellent. Excellent. I love it. So what I'll do, Jim, is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. I'll put a link to your website and any other links you and your marketing team gives me. And I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks. So I'm sorry about all the technical stuff. but uh, <laughs> Yeah, we have all sorts of technical problems. I have no idea. You're not paid to be a technical yeah, right. technical uh, guy for the podcast. So thank you so much. Pleasure to meet you, Joe. Call me if you need it. My pleasure. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.